0: Hey this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at colamander.church. telling stories. I love Jesus. He's so relevant. Like he would tell stories to farmers about seeds and sowing. He'd tell stories to, to fishermen about, about uh, fishing for men. He, he, he connects with his culture. And don't you think it's so important that we connect with our culture, that we're not talking Christianese or religiousese, but we actually connect with the everyday person. I love Jesus did that. So he told stories. And this is a story. Three stories about being prepared. One's about um, wise and foolish virgins and about having their, their their oil for their lamps ready. Another one is about sheep and goats. But right smack bang in the middle, in chapter 25, verse 14, he tells this story about being prepared to answer to God in a way for everything he has given you in life. And here we go. Are you ready? Could All three of us, let's do it. Now, verse 14, it says this in verse 14. Jesus said, again, it... Now, first thing, what is it? It is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He's using a story to talk about what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. It, the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his Way. So straight away, the master calls his servants, gives them uh, his wealth. He gives, gives them different amounts. Now, some other translations don't say bags of gold. They say talents. And I always thought, man, maybe that's like, he, you know, is it like playing a guitar or juggling? Or, you know, but talents was a currency, it was a weight. You could measure a talent. It had weight. It was the currency. And it was, it, you'll see later in the passage, it is wealth. It is money. I'm not so much going to focus, even though the context of what Jesus is talking about is money. This morning, I'm focusing on everything you've been given, not just your money. Because as a guest preacher, I think it'd be pretty weird for me to come in and talk about your money. Because everyone switches off when you hear the word money. And I've just said it three times really quickly. Is everyone switched back on? But he's he's giving them money. And when I looked up, there's a few different commentators say different things about how much was this talent? How much did they actually get? And and when you look it up and do the research, it's actually a lot of money. Like over a million dollars today It would be like giving you one talent, giving you over a million dollars. And to give the guy five talents to set him up. Basically, this master loved his servants so much, he wanted to set them up for life set you up for success, set you up. Now you've got to go and work this, but he's saying, I'm giving you my wealth. He is trusting you. Have you ever thought, how many sermons we hear about trusting God, but how how about this one? God trusts you. He entrusts us. He gives us his wealth. That is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, that when Jesus died on the cross, he left nothing empty. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. There's nothing this morning that you don't need, that God hasn't given you already if you're a follower of Jesus. He has set you up for success. He gives them this, but there's a, something that needs to happen even though he's given you. It seems like the master As he goes away, for us today, it seems like Jesus has been gone a long time. Jesus is the master. He's going away. He has left and he's been trying to explain to his disciples that he would die and resurrect and go away. And they'd be entrusted with so much. And um, he is going to come back one day. There will be a day of accounting. And he's entrusted things to us. And then it says in verse 16, So the man who received five bags of gold went at once, no hesitation from this guy, he, wasn't, he didn't procrastinate, hesitate. At once, he put his money to work and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So that's great. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. As somebody who loves God, loves people and loves pastoring, there's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing a gift in the ground. Something hidden and buried that God wanted released. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Now, I just want you to note, each person was given something different according to their own ability. We don't all have the same, not uh, in life, But I want to encourage us this morning, in this story, I really learn a valuable, sobering truth. It's not about what I don't have. It's about using what I do have. I mean, comparison is the enemy of faithfulness. Being faithful with what you got. I mean, imagine if the guy with one bag got excited to start with, he's like, Well, I have got one bag of gold, but then he gets up and checks Facebook and he sees mate up the road got two bags and he just put it on post on Facebook. And then, and then another mate runs into him down the street and he's like, Have you seen the bags of gold the master gave me? He goes, Bags? I only got one. It's like, yeah, I've got five. And, he, maybe, and he's just comparing. And you know, we, when we're in that place of comparing, we will hide things. We won't release what God is. God doesn't want us to compare because the master's coming back and God wants you to use what you've got. I want to encourage you this morning that where you start is not where you have to finish. Just because you start with something small is not where you have to finish. And never despise, I love that scripture, the day of small beginnings. I love preaching, it's always been my passion. I remember getting to preach, the first time I got invited somewhere to speak was Darren, little old town in Darren, and I was so excited, I got there a couple of hours early, I walked around the building just praying and praying for all seven people that were there to hear me preach that morning. And I'm and it but I didn't care. It was just don't who cares? it doesn't matter. It's a small thing, but it's not small in God's eyes. And if I'm not going to be faithful with that, what's he was he gonna give me ten people to preach to? No, I want to be faithful with the one. As I've said before, ministry is just the next person in front of you. Verse 20: the man who would receive five bags of gold, he's there at the day of accounting, um, bought them to the master. And he would have been so excited, man. He says this, master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Wow. His master replied, well done, good and faithful. You had to go and take a risk. You've got to be full of faith sometimes to use what God has given you. you got to, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11:6. got to take some faith and take a risk and take a step. And you did that and, and you are faithful. Uh, You've been faithful with a few things. He says, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags. See, I've gained two more. Isn't that interesting? Um, His master replied exactly the same, exactly the same to the man with two bags. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. Both of them received the same reward. It wasn't like, oh, you had five bags, you had more, you're going to get, no, the master's happiness, the master's joy, the presence of God, the reward was there. Then the man who had received, here's where it gets interesting, are you ready? The man with one bag, we'll call him one bag Brad, here we go. Then the man who received one bag of gold came, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting we have not sown, just catch that, I knew that you were a hard man. So, notice the twist that Jesus starts to change direction. Harvesting we have not sown, and gathering we have not scattered seed. So, I was afraid, and fear is paralyzing. And I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Notice, two servants enjoyed promotion of faithfulness and the master's pleasure and joy, and one is about to receive these consequences because he hid it in the ground. His master replied, You wicked. And lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest, you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, if that's how you see me, well then, you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, you would have received it back with interest. So, catch this, verse 28. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even though they even what they have will be taken from them verse 30 so where it gets really exciting and really encouraging and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth i just i i don't know about you but i read that and go is that in your bible too check your bible is it just my bible Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm like, this is unfair. I feel, I feel sorry for this guy, one bag, Brad. I mean, it's not like he lost it or anything. He just, he just didn't know what to do. He had fear and, and he hit it. And then when he came back, he, he gave him what he had. It wasn't decreased. This just doesn't seem fair to me. But here's the thing. This guy had spent the whole time while the master was away being fearful, being scared of the day of accounting, When his master would return, and that fear paralyzed him from being effective. Why? Because he had a distorted view of who his master was. He never really knew his master. I've heard many sermons on this about use it or lose it. Don't don't believe a word of it. Just use it or lose it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I've heard many sermons and I I read this thing far out. Am I like the third servant that if I don't use my gifts, if I don't use the money, if I don't treat money the way God wants, that he'll throw me into hell one day? Well, I'm here with some good news for you. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying because it just doesn't line up with the whole counsel of God. But this man, this guy, he was like this third servant didn't know his master. He didn't receive the gift. He took the gift, not like the others immediately who were received it. And so often in Jesus' parables, he talks about the kingdom, the pearl of great price, it's salvation, what God does for us, how we get into the kingdom, it's a free gift. But when we receive it, the natural response to getting saved is that it naturally makes you want to give back. We love him because he first loved us. This guy got it, and instead of receiving the gift, he went and buried the gift. He was ashamed of the gift. He didn't want the gift. And he says, here, this is, this is yours. You have it back. I reject the gift. And he lived in fear of that. And I tell you what, that's a fearful thing, to reject what God would give you, to reject Jesus. That's the only thing that sends people to hell, is rejecting what God gives them. But Jesus isn't just talking about salvation here. The thing about parables are they're like diamonds, You look at them in different ways and there's so many different insights that you get to what Jesus is saying and and bring out different things. And this one is a sobering one, but remember the context of it. It's Jesus talking about being prepared for his return, about using what you've got to be prepared. And he's not painting a picture of a Christian who doesn't make it because he doesn't use their money or gifts for God. Rather, it's a picture of the seriousness of the opportunity we've all been given from God. It's the seriousness, it's the sobering parable, and it's an exciting parable. The difference between one, that one servant and the two others, faith, fullness, faith, being full of faithfulness is the difference. So what is it to be a faithful steward? What is it for you and me, not just to use money, not just to use everything we've been given? Well, what, what are some key things from this scripture that I see that you can say, I'm not living in fear. I'm living excited for my master's pleasure and I want to use all of he's given me for his glory. That I'll hear the words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you with me? Here's the first thing. Is number one is to know that nothing is mine. When you trust, to know nothing belongs to me. Notice the scripture says he entrusted his wealth to them. He didn't give it to them as owners of it, rather stewards. That's why it's a, uh, stewardship principles. He was still the owner of that. So when they received what God, the master gave them, just like you and me, when you receive what God gives you, it does not belong to you. It is God's. In fact, everything is God's. Gods. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Everything in your life, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You used to think, "Well, is that all He owns?" The cattle on it just means God owns everything. It is His. It is for His glory. And I know that right from the beginning, when we have kids, and uh, if you've have if you've got little children, one of the first things they learn to say is "mine." Someone nailed it. There you go. Mine. That's mine. Like, I'll maybe do it if you've got a teenager. Here's a good experiment today. Maybe take them to the shops and buy them that, that gaming or whatever it is that they really, really want and buy it for them. Now, this is for you. Oh, listen, the teenagers would even more, they would love this sermon right now. And give it to them and then take it home and, and uh, say, Yeah, let's set it up and then set it up and then let them play with it for about half an hour and then go back in and say, Ah, oh, we're going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. And the first thing they'll say is, it's mine it belongs to me well no it's actually mine I bought it with my money and we're going to go in the car that I bought that I paid for and you live in the house that anyway everything you know but when we grow up we we're in this culture where we grab on and we're grasping for ownership because I can find identity if I own it oh then i have owned it well look at the car I drive look at that the car you drove here to church actually comes from stuff God made originally it doesn't belong to you. The houses that we live in comes from stuff that God made originally. Everything, your very breath that you're breathing right now comes from God made it. So everything belongs to him. So the first key to being a great steward is to give up ownership and to say nothing is mine. But I'm responsible for everything I've been given with open hands. Recognizing this is so Important Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16 says, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love the other translation that says, Redeem the time, redeeming to buy back the time. Because every morning we get up, we've all got different uh, bank accounts, we've all got different. Uh, health situations, we've all got different everything. But one thing we all have the same this morning when you woke up is we all get the same amount of time. And what we do with it today is we're answerable for. Like we want to use all of our time. And I think about how much time I used to waste before I had kids. And then I had kids, I realized I don't have any time left anymore. (laughs) And I think, God, help me use time. So everything God Owns, And the servants with five bags and two bags were just eager to please their master, not out of religious duty, but because they got a gift that wasn't theirs. It was their master's, and they knew they would be held accountable for it. So let me ask you this morning, what do you need to give up ownership of? Is it, is it, is it touching a nerve in you? It's like the little boy that had his his hand stuck in a glass vase, and he couldn't get it out. He tried everything to pull it out. He's trying to get it out, and he cannot get out of this glass vase. And his dad said to him, son, we're going to have to smash that with a hammer and it could get messy. And his son's like, oh. And then the dad dad thought of something. And his dad said, let's try one more thing. To get your hand out of this vase, what I want you to do is I want you to put it out straight like that, really straight. And we're going to see if we can slip it out. The little boy looked back at his dad and said, but then I'd have to drop the $2. (laughs) And I wonder what you're holding on to this morning. And you're holding on to it that you're not actually free. And when you hold on to it, it will get messy. If you say, it's mine, it's mine, That, that, that you know, whatever it looks like to you. It could be your job, that your identity is in that. It could be money that's holding you. It could be a, your career. It could be identity. It could be a ministry position. I own this. This is my position. No, it's God's. It's a gift from God. I steward it. Being a pastor, that's a great thing to learn about being a pastor is this is not my church. This is not your church. This is his church but we are going to be accountable. And I'm believing for great things for Kalamunda Church, with or without our involvement. God's God's hand is on doing that, whatever it looks like. We are content, but we're believing for great things for you and praying for you. And uh, I just want to say that God's going to double it. And it's not double it just because you're saying about numbers and things like that, but God wants to double what's inside of you. He He wants you to know how it's invested in such a way that it just releases and... uh, But it's not yours; it belongs to Him. What do you need to drop this morning? I mean, so often uh, Jesus did talk about money and how it can sort of have a grip on our lives. It's the two-dollar fake we need to drop. (laughs) And uh, so often when we release resources, I know in our life uh, we've been so blessed in so many different ways—the way God provides for us. And uh, and and there's a wonderful thing someone once said: "You're never more like God than when you are giving." For God so loved the world that he gave. Because it's not ours. It's not ours. It's all his. Number two, not only do we realize in this story that everything belongs to God. Number two is that to be a great and faithful steward, we need to identify and value their gold. People, we, need to identify and value your gold. You've been given gold. I'm here with good news this morning. Everybody has got Something. Notice in the, in the parable, um, yes, there were different things, but everybody got something. And there's a great principle here. Yes, it's talking about money, but also everybody has gold on the inside of them from God. And that's why I love the church, because the church, the family of God should be, and I say this, should be the place and the community where God's gifts are three things, discovered, developed, and deployed, that this should be the place. So I remember that. that was, that's my, my heart. And I remember when I first uh, preached my first sermon at about 17, 18, and I remember uh, uh, preaching it. And I was so excited. I can still remember the points and, and what I preached on. And I was so excited. And I walked out as I'm walking out of the church just to get out. One of the sort of long standing members there just grabbed me aside. And, and I preached on about reaching people for Jesus. And he just looked at me and he's, you know, very long standing memory. he said, Brad, and he sort of shrugged, he said, you think you can save this town? (laughs) And it just hit me for six. You know, one of the most important people in the church just criticizing and knocking me. And I remember looking back and I said to him, I think Jesus can. But, you know, that was like, this is what the enemy does. He tries to stop you from moving in your gifting. And he'll try very early just to try and try and do something to halt you, something to, to get you to bury your gift. Go, oh, maybe that's not for me. I'm just going to bury that. I'm going to put it in the ground and not use it. There are things that the enemy will use to keep your gifts covered. And just as I'm preaching, I'm reminded of when Jesus went around to um, Peter's place and his, Peter's mother-in-law was, remember this one, sick in bed? Mother-in-law was sick. In bed, as soon as Jesus healed her, she got up. And served, used her gifts Them Why? Because her gifts were under the covers. Her gifts were held down by a fever. And Jesus is the type of God, I feel God's presence this morning as I'm saying this. He's the type of God that wants to get and remove and heal the things that your gifts are stuck under. Whether it's the past experience, whether it's the hurts of the past, whatever it looks like. And your gifts are under there. He's going to take you by the hand, heal that fever, pick you up. So you can be released to serve and use your gifts. That's what God wants in our life, to be discovered, developed. The next slide you can go to, which I won't spend a lot of time on, but I've, you may have heard this. I think it's just helpful to point it out because if you say to me, Brad, yeah, but how do I know? How do I know how I'm gifted? And if you ever want to get a good resource, there's a good book called Shape, and it's about discovering uh, your, your shape, your spiritual gifts, That's what S stands for. And just these are great points to think about in your own journey. You can discover how God's wired you. Your H is for heart. What you're passionate about. Then A is for abilities. What are you naturally good at? Like for me at school, um, did not win any academic awards, but I got the debating, public speaking thingy <laughs> just in the natural the way God's wired you he wants to move through you discovering your gifts the gold that's on the inside of you You know this room is so full of gold right now you're sitting next to gold it's on the inside of you the gifts and things that God's giving you P is for your personality God doesn't want us to be cookie cutter Christians that all look the same think the same do it the same but he wants to go through your personality and reach people that no one else can reach. Not everyone's going to come to church and say, Brad, how do I get saved? No, they're going to see your life and how you live for Jesus. And E, for experiences. Knowing that everything you've been through, God is using. And you start to put all that stuff together. And can I give you another encouragement? If you really want to use the gift on the inside of you, 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 a thing that really helped me is you've got to write out, physically write out or type out your personal testimony. If you've never done that and you're a Christian, that is a powerful thing to do, to write out. The first thing I did when I really came on fire for the Lord was I wrote out what God had done in my life because I wanted to be accountable. I wanted to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within me. And I don't want to be just like, I don't know what to say. And, and, And as I wrote that out, I just was able to articulate it more and share what God's done in my life. It's a powerful thing to be prepared to use the gift in you. And I love it, like I was just shearing yesterday with a, with a um, shearing team, and the, one of the guys always, he always sort of messes around me this year. Well, he sort of messes around, but having a joke. But when all the sheep come in, you know, we get to the last big sort of uh, motley crew, you call them the mongrel mob, and all at the end. And he, every time, they put them, put them in all the pens. They just go in wherever they go, but I get all the small ones. <laughs> and he always gets the big ones. And yesterday, as he looked in the pen, he's like, oh. He looks over the pen and he goes, Brad you've been talking to Jesus again? <laughs> and I love it. And I just looked at the other shear and I go, I've got friends in high places. And he's just laughing. And I think it's good just be, be who you are and your experiences and let God flow through you. But, but I really uh, love this thought that that is our role. You know, the, the role of, Leadership in church is not to go and do everything, but it is to equip you, to equip the saints for the work of ministry that you are discovered, that you are developed, that you are deployed into everything that God has called you to do. And that's going to take all of us. There's nothing better than seeing somebody in their sweet spot for ministry doing it well. It's a wonderful thing. So, the third thing we see, not only did he identify, hey, I've got something, God has given me something, but you've got to also then put your gift to work. Notice this, the man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. I'm not saying we work for salvation, we work from salvation. Um, This man was just eager to get out of there. The the difference between promotion and perishing was not just receiving God's gift and and, and then just using everything that God's given you. So James put it this way. James said that faith, so believing, without works is dead. So mental assent is not coming to Jesus, that you believe he was a person that lived and died. But faith with action, when you actually put your faith in Jesus and you confess it out of your mouth and you say, I want to trust you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sin. I want to live for you. I want want a whole new life. And you put it into action. That's when faith comes alive. And that's how we keep our faith live and fresh is by walking in the Spirit And obeying the promptings of God and letting him lead us. One person once said it like this. He said, faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Faith alone saves, but someone who's truly saved. Like if you're sitting here this morning and you say you're a Christian, but you have, this is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, if you're sitting here this morning and and you're a Christian and you say you have no desire for other people to be saved, then you need to question your own salvation because it has to make a difference in your life. Jesus is not a theory or a religion. He's a living person that wants to come and touch you in such a way and move in your heart that you can't hold it in. Faith comes alive when we put our gifts to work. And I challenge you this morning. Are you using what God's given you? Uh, one way is just in the Aussie Bible, have a crack. Like the way to discover and use your gifts is just to serve, just do something. I mean, I remember when I was doing the, I was the first servant, first thing I did in, the, in church when I came on fire for the Lord was I just locked up the church. But man, I locked that thing up like it was the kingdom of God. Man, when I closed them doors and opened them doors, <laughs> I was just the church lockup guy. I had to be there to the end, which is good. Ask my wife, she's always trying to drag me from church. She's like, are we going to go yet? You're talking to more people. Well, if I lock it up, I can stay as long as I like. And you know, then I did the kids' ministry, and I remember doing the kids' men, and then did youth, and then did young adults. And eventually I was like, I thought, oh, my, you, I made it. I'm the senior pastor. I have arrived. Not really. <laughs> and I realized, you know, there's no, whether you're cleaning the toilets, whether you're welcoming people, or whether you're preaching on stage, it is, it is all, it's just using our gifts for God. It is no one, none is more important than the other. None, none is more important. It is all for God's kingdom? What is it in you that you need to be doing? A, a guy that I really admire is a guy who um, never met him obviously, but he's, he was on board a, a, a ship called the Titanic and he used his gifts for God. You might have heard of his story. His name was John Harper. Interesting, John Harper became a Christian at a young age and he, he, he really lived a, a holy life. He loved God and and never really went off the rails. He was that sort of guy. But ironically, John Harper nearly drowned three times in his life as a young person. And each time was miraculously saved. Well, sure enough, he was on board the Titanic. wasn't in the movie with Leonardo, wasn't in that. You didn't see him there. But he was on board that, that night that, that the Titanic went down to sink. And uh, documented records reveal that John Harper, as the ship started to go down, He was a preacher. He started to use his gifts. He was seen, first thing he did was put his six-year-old daughter Nina into a lifeboat and kissed her goodbye, knowing he'd probably never see her again. And he was seen running up and down as people were crying out. And he was saying, women, children, and unsaved, get into the lifeboats. That's what he was recorded yelling. Women, children, and if you're not right with God, get in the lifeboats. As people were jumping off into the waters and many were dying, John Harper was swimming around a people saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he swum up to this one person um, who was on a bit of ice debris, nearly dying of hypothermia, and said, do you know Jesus? Would you? And, and this person said, no, I don't. And he says, well, I want to lead you to the Lord. You need to get right with God today. And this person said, I don't want it. So he swum away. He came back to him a bit later and he said, do you want to get right with God? He said, no, I don't. And it was then and there John Harper took off his life jacket, a gift that he had been given, and he gave it to this man. And he said, then you need this more than me. That man heard John Harper's last words as John Harper died in the water, said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And four years later at a survivor's meeting, a man stood up and he told this story and he said, I was John Harper's last convert. I came to saving faith. John Harper never got to see it. John Harper never got to see it, but John Harper gave what he had. He gave the gift that was inside of me. He gave his life jacket away. Church, that's what I'm calling us to today, that you'd be the type of person that values the gold that God has given you, that you're prepared to give it all away. It doesn't belong to you anyway. That would be the people that, like John Harper, reach out with everything, gift that God has given us, not so we look good, but so that Jesus is glorified and people come to know him. That's what the gift is for. Put your gift to work. John Harper would have heard the words, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You were faithful with little things like a life jacket. "'I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. "'What has God given you today? "'What about you? "'What about me?' And I close on this point here, that the sobering truth is this, that when you are a faithful steward, you know that there will be a day of accounting. These guys knew that there would come a day when the master would return." And I'm here to tell you this morning, who knows, Jesus is coming back. Someone said he's, he's not coming back soon, he's on the way. <laughs> That's how it feels, eh? And uh, the master's coming back and he will settle accounts, but I want to give you good news this morning. This is not something to be feared. I would hate you, to, it would be a total uh, travesty for you to hear my sermon this morning and to feel condemned right now, thinking, oh, I'm not really doing anything for God. You don't, God doesn't love you because you do stuff for him. I want to give you good news this morning that you don't have to fear facing God because all judgment has already been poured on his son, Jesus. All judgment for all your sin. You are a new creation. Uh, Nothing you do will make God love you more. Nothing you do will make him love you less. He loves you right now. It's not to be feared. And we don't have to face the great white throne judgment. But it is clear though, and Paul talks about it, that we will give an account For everything that god has given us for for everything it's a sobering reality that we'll give an account and it's not something to be fearful of because guess what you're not that if you're if you're a christian this morning you're not that one with one bag that's not you. you you've received the gift maybe you're just not really putting it to work maybe you haven't identified all that all the gold that's within you today's the day to say god I want to start putting it to work. I want you to show me what I was born for. Show me how to serve you. And it just starts with just loving God and loving people. And he'll do all the rest. On that day that, I think when I think of this, facing Jesus and saying, Lord, none of us are going to be perfect. No one's going to get there and say, I did everything right. No. Jesus is never after perfection. He's not after your performance. This morning, he's after your heart. And to give him your heart and he'll do the rest. So how do I do it, Brad? Well, number one, give up ownership. I want to leave you with these questions. Are you holding on to something you need to let go of? Number two, identify your gold. Are you too tied up in earthly gold and earthly things that you're not identifying the spiritual gold on the inside of you and developing that? Number three is, are you putting it to work? Are you you having a crack? Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to pray for us that we would not give up today. That we would not give up in doing good. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus then I want to say to you, facing God is a scary, scary, sobering, very scary thing because we all, the Bible says, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you either stand there as a forgiven person or you'll stand there in your self-righteousness. What is that? I'm right by myself. God will accept me for the good things that I've done. No, He won't. Good people don't go to heaven. If they do, it will be empty. Forgiven people go to heaven. And if you haven't received that gift this morning, I'd love you to come down and I'd love to pray with you that you would receive Jesus as your saviour of your sin, that you can know when you face Him, it's, it's done. He died on the cross for me. He did it all. He rose from the dead. Would you all stand with me and um, stand together and let's just, I want to pray for us all this morning. Maybe just close your eyes, out a respect for the Lord in this place and for one another. Father, we just come to you this morning. Your people. So two prayers, Father. Firstly, for any person here that doesn't know you, Father, right now in this place, if they would say, I need to get my life right with God. I've never given my life to Jesus. So I've heard about him, but I've never, ever actually said, yes, I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. While every head is bowed and eyes closed, if you want to come down the front right now, I'll say a prayer with you. And in front of everybody, we can do that if that's you. So feel free to come down now. Anybody who just says, I've never given my life to Jesus. I don't know that I'm forgiven and I'd love to pray a prayer of receiving Jesus. Feel free to come down right now. Cool, that's good. Second prayer, Father, I pray for every person in this place, Lord, that this place that right now is full of gold. I pray for people that have just needing to get out from that that story that came to mind, Father, of Peter's mother-in-law. Under the covers, her gifts were held back by something. I just want to break anything that would hold our gifts back, whether it's past hurts, whether it's insecurity, fear, whatever it looks like. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that these things would break, that we would feel a freedom and know a freedom in you to be discovered in our gifting, everything you've given us. Not just our money, Lord, our whole lives. And developed and deployed for your kingdom service. I pray a blessing over Calamunda Church of Christ, over every person here this morning. Lord, would you continue to grow them into all that you've created them to be so that we can give you all the glory and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.